So if you've got your uh, Bibles there, if you'd like to uh, turn back to that passage that Jason read for us in Genesis chapter 9. And uh, before we go into, it, go into that, I just want just to go back through the chapters of Genesis just to give you a, a picture of how we've, how we've got to this point of uh, God delivering this, this covenant, this uh, agreement, this promise to Noah. So if you've been with us uh, through the summer uh, and, and to now, which actually it's hard to believe that we started this in the summer when it's so cold out there, and, uh, but, but never mind. Um, if you were th- with us in the summer as we started to look at Genesis, you'd have seen um, God creating the world, the universe from nothing, bringing order from chaos in Genesis chapter one and chapter two. Importantly to what we'll read uh, here in Genesis chapter 9, God created me, you, humans, and he created them in his own image. Created humans as something a bit different to the rest of creation, carrying some of God's image, some of his authority, uh, and, and some of his ability to relate. But then in Genesis chapter 3, we saw that those humans that God had created in his own image, rejected him, and they were cast out into the world. And then through Genesis 4 and 5, we see that some of those humans actually turn back to call on the name of God, while others carry on completely rejecting him, and there's this kind of spiral down as sin uh, continues to grow in the world. And then in Genesis chapter 6, God decides enough is enough. And he decides to send a flood to start afresh. But one man and his family find favor with God. Noah finds favor with God. Not through anything Noah did, but he finds favor with God. And so God gives him the instructions to build an ark. And then we read through uh, chapters seven and eight as the flood comes and they have all the animals on the ark and they They stay on the ark and the ark rests and they come out of the ark into a transformed world, but still this world that exists after Genesis chapter three, after man has rejected God. And if you were here last week, you'd have heard Leon preach on on that story of the flood. And what we're gonna read now in Genesis chapter nine, it expands on the end of that story, on the end of Genesis chapter 8. So again, if you remember back to Genesis chapter 1 and 2, we saw that Genesis 2 expanded on the sixth day of creation, gave us a lot more detail about what happened. And here we see a bit more detail about the end of the story of the flood. So before we go into these verses in detail, let's just pray again and ask God to help us to understand the verses. Uh, Father God, these are uh, are not necessarily easy verses for us to read this morning, not necessarily easy verses for us to to take and apply to our own lives. And so, Lord, I just pray that you'd help us to clearly see uh, what it is um, that you're telling us through these verses. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to understand how how they fit into our lives. I pray that you'd help us to understand how they fit into... um, into a world in which Jesus has come and in which the story has moved on a long way from, from how we see it in Genesis. 
And Lord, I just pray, uh, I pray that you'd give me uh, clear words to say. I pray you'd help me to learn. And I pray you'd help all of us to learn this morning as we come to these verses. Amen. So as I was, uh, as I was thinking about um, these verses, I was, I was thinking about what it is that, that kind of God's said to Noah through the story. Um, strangely, a, a song kept coming back into my mind. It's a song by uh, the American rock band, The Killers. Um, it's called Bling. Uh, it's from one of their albums, and, and it has these words in it. When I offer you survival, you say it's hard enough to live. It's not so bad. It's not so bad. How do you know that you're right? When I offer you survival, you say it's hard enough to live. It's not so bad. It's not so bad. How do you know that you're right? Now, the song in and, in and of itself is about uh, the, the singer's father and about his relationship with alcohol. So it's kind of completely different to what's going on in these verses. But I, I kept thinking, you know, God is offering Noah, in chapter 6, survival. He's offering him more than survival. He's offering him life. But in this covenant, in these verses in chapter 9, God is saying, I've offered you life, but it's still going to be hard for you to live. And here's some things that I'm going to give you to show you that even though it's going to be hard for you to live in this world that you've stepped out of the ark into, there's things that make it better. There's things that I'm offering you here that make it better. And I'm going to give you a sign to show you that you were right to follow me, to build that ark, to get into that ark, to sit through the storm and the flood and to come out of the ark into this world. So we're going to see what God says to Noah to encourage him as he steps out of the ark and into this world. And in verses uh, 1 to 7, we kind of see that God restates the mission. He gives um, Noah and his family uh, the same kinds of words that he gave to Adam and Eve back in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. Chapter 9, verse 1. God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And if you go back to uh, Genesis 1, those are exactly the same kinds of words that God gives to Adam and Eve. Go forth, be fruitful, and multiply and fill the earth. That same command. And so we see, like we automatically think of this story of the flood, of this deluge as being a destructive event. But the writer of Genesis wants us to see it as a creative event as well. He wants us to go back and link it to chapter 1, chapter 2, and the creation. And so it's a new beginning that Noah and his family are stepping out into. Now, what we really have to remember is that this isn't happening in the same kind of Eden, the same paradise that Adam and Eve were in in chapter 2. This is still that fallen world that comes after Genesis chapter 3. We're going to see that. We're going to see that sin is still something that needs to be dealt with as we read through these verses. And so God then starts to give three different protections. And the first protection, he says, uh, is, to, is to do with um, giving 
protection from the hazards of nature as, uh, as Noah and his family step out of the ark. What does God say in verse 2? The fear of you and the dread of you shall be on every beast of the earth and upon every bird of the heavens, upon everything that creeps on the ground and all the fish of the sea. Into your hands they are delivered. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. And as I give you the green plants, I give you everything. Uh, yeah. And so, so here, Noah and his family have been given dominion. Dominion over the animals. But it's more than the dominion that Adam and Eve were given back in Genesis 1 and 2. There's this fear and dread over the animals and over the rest of creation. And those same words, fear and dread, are used later on in the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy and chapter 11, as uh, the fear and dread of God that comes on to the Canaanites. And it's about authority and control and power over life and death. So as they step out of the ark, and there's all these animals that have been on the ark with them, they now have authority and power over life and death of all of those creatures that come out of the ark with them. And that means that they also have, God gives them also this ability to use those animals for food as well. And so before, before they were given in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 30, every green plant for food. And then we read later on, well, not to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And here God says, and now I grant you dominion, power over the animals, the rest of creation, to use that for food as well. And because they have this power of life and death over these animals, God is giving them protection now from the hazards of nature in the fallen world that they step out of the ark into. But God gives them a bit more of a command here as well. As I give you the green plants, I give you everything. But you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is its blood. And so there's, there's a bit more of a command here. Gives this prohibition on eating foods that contain blood. And that's because he wants them to have respect for, God, for the God-given life that's in these animals. And these food laws become really important as we read later on in the Old Testament as well, into Leviticus and Deuteronomy and even into Samuel. We see there's more of these food laws. And the covenant that God sets up with Moses and Israel brings in the idea of clean and unclean foods as well. And it starts to, it starts to kind of grow as it, as it goes. Now, if you'd, uh, if you'd been with me on Friday morning, you might, be, you might have been able to go, Adam, you're being really hypocritical standing up there saying, well, God's given, uh, God's given uh, protection and doesn't say, uh, says you shouldn't be eating uh, food with blood in it because you were eating black pudding on Friday morning. <laughs> so we have to understand, and this is going to be really important as we look, as we look at both the next little bit of this passage and also how we apply it. We have to look back at this through the New Testament. 
and you can go off and you can go off to Acts and you can go off to Acts chapter 9 and you can read uh, in Acts chapter 9 of a vision that God gives to Peter. And here's a covenant that God is making with Noah. There's other covenants, there's these other promises that God makes in the Old Testament with Abraham, with Moses, with David. And then we live under this new agreement, this new covenant that Jesus brings in. And as part of that, God says to Peter, there are no clean and unclean foods anymore. So we still have to remember the sanctity of the life that God has given to his creation. But we have to also think about how we think about these verses through the light of that as well. So we're reminded of the sanctity of, of the animal life. The next protection that God brings in so there's this protection from nature and the hazards of nature in the fallen world. This next protection that, that God brings in, the second one, is about protecting us in this fallen world from each other. And the, the sin, the ultimate sin, I, well, not, not the ultimate sin, but a, a really kind of severe sin in terms of our own relationships with each other of murder. And so he says... And for your lifeblood, I will require a reckoning. From every beast, I will require it. And from man, from his fellow man, I will require a reckoning for the life of man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. So God gives us this, uh, gives Noah and his family this um, prohibition on foods containing blood because he is reminding them of the sanctity of the life and the creation and the animals out there. And then there's this second reminder of the sanctity of human life, of our life. And that that is above, above the sanctity of, the, of their animal life because humans were created in God's image. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed, for God made man in his own image. We talked about the pre-flood world, the pre-flood history, and how it was characterized by sin. And some of that characterization in chapter 6 and verse 11 is violence. We have to see that uh, Abel was murdered by his brother Cain in chapter 3. And so he, and, but then God said, well, this, is, this isn't to be avenged. And he commands that it's not to be avenged. And now, God is saying, okay, there is a punishment that has to be given, an answer that has to be given for this crime, this crime of murder. And this is reminding us that in this fallen world, in this post-Genesis 3 world, even after the flood, sin is still an issue that has to be dealt with. Noah came out of the ark, went into the ark a sinner, and came out of the ark a sinner. Nothing changed in terms of whether he was a sinner while he was on the ark. You only have to read on into the next part of chapter 9 to see that sin starts to creep in again into the story. You only have to look into your own heart to know that sin is still something that is ongoing in this world. And so this idea of punishment 
and punishment for the crime of murder in particular, is a reminder to us that sin is an issue and an issue that has to be dealt with. Now, again, if we look through the lens of the Old Testament, uh, the New Testament, sorry, and the New Covenant, we can see, you know, Jesus takes, takes this idea of murder and says, well, in the Sermon on the Mount in chap- uh, Matthew chapter 5, you know, if you're angry with your brother, you're guilty of the sin of murder. And so, you know, he takes it even further. And we have to then say, well, how, how would we apply, uh, you know, how do we apply this now? This is not something for us to go individually and go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to punish you for your crime. I'm going to punish you for your sin. Paul in Romans writes that it's for God to punish for sin and for the God-given authorities to punish for when those sins become crime. So we have to think about that. But we see that God is protecting his mission, this mission that he's given Noah and his sons to go and be fruitful and multiply from their sin against each other in the same way that he's given them the protection from nature. And then in verses 8 to 17, we see that God says, I'm going to protect you from me doing this same thing again. I am not going to flood the earth and destroy it again in the same way that I did here. God offers assurance to Noah that the flood will not be repeated. And so there's this promise. We saw in chapter 6, this promise that God says, I'm going to make a covenant with you. I'm going to make an agreement with you who enter the ark. And then here he seals it with those who have left the ark. And so until the final judgment day, until the day when Jesus comes again, there is an opportunity for us to turn back into a relationship with God. Until that final day when Jesus returns, And those of us who follow him get to join him and get to join God in heaven, in God's presence for all eternity. This covenant provides us with encouragement and it provides us with comfort as well. And in the second half of of what we read earlier, God says, I'm going to give you a sign, a reminder of this covenant, and it's the rainbow. There's no suggestion that that was the first rainbow that ever came, that was ever seen by anybody. It's just God saying, when there's a rainbow, when the clouds come and there's a rainbow there, that's now a reminder to you of this covenant that I've made with Noah and his family, that I'm not going to destroy the earth with a flood again. So it's a reminder to us of God's promises that God doesn't forget. God is faithful. 
the people got into the ark and the floodwaters receded in chapter 8. That was a sign that they were following God, that God was keeping his promises. And then we see other signs for the other covenants as well. With Abraham, we see the circumcision as a sign of the covenant. With Israel, with the covenant that God makes with Moses and Israel, we see the day of rest, the Sabbath, as a sign of the covenant. For us, we have, um, we have the times that we take the bread and wine for communion or the Lord's Supper as a reminder of that covenant that we have with Jesus. And so there's signs that we can use to remember the things that God has promised us. So we see that God is restoring fellowship with man. Back in the start of chapter 6, God chose Noah. Noah found favor with God. God then brings them into the ark. And as they respond to, as they respond to building the ark, the command to build the ark, and they go into the ark, then that's a way of God bringing them back into fellowship with himself. And here, he, he builds on that. This covenant, this agreement, this promise is a bridge between what God says to Adam and Eve in chapter 1, verse 28. Go, fill the earth. And then the promise, the covenant he makes with Abraham that we start to read about in chapter 12 of Genesis where God says, I'm going to bring my blessing to all people of the earth, which includes you and includes me, through Abraham's family. So we're seeing a stepping stone, a bridge. God is offering them life and giving them ways of living life with him here in this changed world. So how do, we, how do we take this? How do we take this and use it for ourselves today? Well, this covenant, this description of the covenant comes after Noah has offered a sacrifice. And the covenant, the agreement, the promise that we live under with God was manifested in a sacrifice. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 26, it says, As it is, Jesus has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin, to put away our rebellion against God. How? By the sacrifice of himself. Living, he loved us, we sing often. Dying, he saved us. Just as God offered life to Noah, just as God knew that it was going to be difficult for Noah and his family to live in that world that they stepped out of the ark into, but he gave them signs 
that it was right for them to have followed him. God knows that it's going to be difficult for us to live following him in this fallen world. And he gives us the encouragement. He gives us a promise. He tells us of the life that we can live and that the how to find that life. And he gives us encouragement through protection, just as this covenant that he made with Noah and his family was about protecting them from the sinful world. And just as God gave Noah and his family that mission to go and be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, we have a mission that we're given as well by God. So first of all, if you haven't this morning accepted Jesus, followed him, then that is the first step to do. Our rebellion against God as humans caused that flood to come. God says there isn't going to be another flood, but we do know that there is going to be a day of judgment one day when Jesus returns. Just as God called Noah into the ark, God calls us to follow Jesus as our way of having life, eternal life. And so if you haven't yet followed Jesus, then this morning I, I encourage you to think about it, to talk to one of us after the service and to explore what that means in more detail. But for those of us who have followed Jesus, we have a mission, just as Noah was given that mission, to go. And instead of multiplying and filling the earth with people, it's to go and fill and multiply the earth with disciples, with followers of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 16 to 20, that great commission that God gives us. So this new covenant also has a mission. And just as, just as God was giving Noah life, then we see that we have life in Jesus. John 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father through me. And so we see this mission and life and protection as we see in the covenant here with, with Noah. Now, that's not to say we're not going to be, we're not going to be uh, run up against difficulty. The Bible, the Bible talks about persecution for those who follow Jesus, that life is not going to be easy. But one Pe in 1 Peter, even as Peter is writing to a church that is facing difficult times, is facing persecution, Peter says, by God's power, you are being guarded through faith for a salvation to be revealed in the last time. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 5. By God's power, you're being guarded through faith, through your trust in Jesus as being the way, the truth, and the life for a salvation, for being saved, ready to be revealed on that day that Jesus returns and brings in his kingdom. 
And we have signs as well. We talked about the sign of the Last Supper uh, of, and, and um, communion and following Jesus' command at the Last Supper. But we have signs inside ourselves as well. We have the presence of the Spirit of God with us, the Holy Spirit. And we also know, don't we, we can encourage each other as we see the fruit of the Spirit growing in each other. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. As they grow in us, we see our own growth and our own encouragement. And we can encourage each other as we see those things growing in them, those signs of being together and of growing uh, in faith and growing in the kingdom. So there are so many parallels between the covenant that was made, the agreement that God made with Noah, and then the covenant that we live under now, the new covenant that Jesus brought in. And I want to encourage you to think about those things. And maybe when you see a rainbow, to remember them as well as what God promised here. On Friday, I was in, uh, in an office and uh, it, it's a fairly new office. It was actually the kind of formal opening of this office building. There was TDs there, there was somebody from the Irish Development Agency, there was a CEO of a, a multinational company, there were head honchos from that same multinational company. Everybody was going on about this amazing office that human hands had put together, how it was the most inspiring tech sector office in the world. And as the day progressed, it started to rain. And at one point, I saw a rainbow out of the window. And even as all these people were saying how amazing the work of the human hand was putting this building together, there was just that reminder, just that reminder of God saying, no, it's me that offers you life, not human hands, not, not these things that are gonna pass away, it's me. This reminder that God is there, that God is working, that it's right to follow him. That even when life is difficult, we have that promise that one day things will be even better, that things will be better and things will be perfect when we're there with God, with Jesus in heaven. So I was, I was thinking about that and I just want, want you to think the same. I want, when you see a rainbow, maybe we'll get one this afternoon. The weather's been so, so changeable today. Maybe you'll get a rainbow as you're sitting in the car on the way home. Be encouraged. Be encouraged and remember not just the covenant that God made with Noah, but the promise that he's made to you and its fulfillment that you find in Jesus. Amen.